Welcome to a new series of the Deep Space Podcast, Leadership in Space. I'm Kristen Kapovic, and I'm joined today by my colleague and co-host, Jamil Castillo. We're with the Coalition for Deep Space Exploration, a space advocacy group based in Washington, D.C. We're seeing great development in space, and opportunities are growing to expand humanity's presence in the solar system, as well as to use space to benefit our lives here on Earth. Last fall here on the podcast, we spoke with young professionals on what it's like working in the space industry in our Workforce of the Future series. Now we'd like to turn to some seasoned leaders to get their take on some of those same topics. But more than that, we want to talk about what being a leader looks like, especially when you work in such a visionary field like space. Hi, I'm Jamil Castillo. In today's episode, we are excited to welcome Tori Bruno, the CEO of United Launch Alliance. Over the past 35 years, Tori has developed and fielded dozens of critical defense and space launch systems that form the backbone of America's national security and efforts in space exploration. He is a tireless advocate for the industry, sharing his passion for space technology and his vision of a self-sustaining human presence beyond Earth. Tori is a well-known communicator on space with a legendary social media presence and is an inspiration to many. You can follow him on Twitter at Tori Bruno. Tori, thank you for joining us today. Oh, it's my pleasure, Jamil and Kristen. Happy to be here. Well, and to get started here, Tori, can you tell us a little bit about your company, ULA, and what you are doing in space? Well, sure. So I think maybe the easiest way to approach that is you know, ULA builds rockets, and they're gigantic 30-story high rockets, and we touch your life every single day. We have flown every mission to Mars. We have visited every planet. If you use GPS, we made that happen. If you have friends and loved ones overseas, we're helping to keep them safe. If you ever checked the weather and looked at the weather map, we were a part of that. We have launched 142 times. We have never failed to take our mission to space. So, Tori, I, I want to go back a little bit and ask you, how did you get involved in this whole space uh, thing? Did you always know you wanted to do space, or are you like an accidental space person? Pretty close to always. I, I think I knew I wanted to be involved in this when I was seven years old. I was sitting on the carpet in front of a black and white TV and I watched live the first man walk on the moon. And by the time I was eight, I had already found a case of moldy 80-year-old dynamite in the back of my grandmother's barn and he had taken it apart and made my own rockets and somehow survived that experience. <laughs> And so from that point forward, I knew I wanted to make rockets. I knew I wanted to be involved in space. You know, I went off and got, uh, you know, an uh, engineering degree and entered the industry, and I've been here ever since. That's, that, that's awesome. Uh, so, for example, last month, we saw the Perseverance rover land on Mars. And as you said, ULA builds rockets, and ULA has been... ULA rockets have been to every single planet in the solar system so or have sent uh, probes to every single planet in the solar system. 
So I wanted to ask you, why is it important to do things like sending a rover to Mars, uh, sending a probe to the sun? Why explore space, in your opinion? Well, sure. Well, space, even beyond the exploration, does touch our lives every single day. You know, it keeps us safer in hurricane season. It allows whole segments of our economy to work, but specifically the exploration mission is something that helps us truly understand our place in the universe. It is an existential kind of question that we get to answer as human beings. And not only that, it also still has applicable sort of daily things here on Earth that makes life better. From space, we better understand our climate. From probes like Parker Solar Probe and the Solar Orbiter, we will have a better understanding of solar weather, which has a profound impact on the climate of the Earth. So it's not just this big question of furthering science and understanding where we fit in the grand scheme of things. It does also have that practical application of making us better custodians of the planet we live on now. Thanks, Tori. You said that very well. And those are certainly points that we try to make here at the Coalition every day. So you're, and you're such a great advocate for why it's important that we explore space. I'd like now to turn our discussion to the subject of leadership. And as I said earlier, you're a very well-known leader in the space industry, very well-respected. I know that everyone has a very different idea of what being a leader is. So I'd like you to talk a little bit about how you describe your leadership style. And as a follow-up to that, do you have any advice for aspiring leaders? Sure. Well, I think I'd start by saying the fundamental principle that I always try and keep in mind as a leader is that my job is to enable other people to succeed. When you're a leader, you don't get to do everything yourself anymore. Your job is to act through others. And so it's really about creating that environment. So as a leader, I bring clarity. I encourage and I value collaboration between my teammates and between each other. And I'm always seeking on the big complicated problems for us to do it together, to seek consensus. But also, you have to remember when you're a leader that sometimes consensus won't happen or sometimes the decision is big enough or intimidating enough that the group struggles to, to complete that and sort of push it across the finish line. And so your job as the leader is to stand up, be accountable, and make that decision so that the whole team can go forward. And to always be aware that you are helping other people work. And for example, uh, you've probably all at some time in your life encountered leaders that somehow felt their time was more valuable than the team's time and would keep people waiting or jostle schedules around constantly. And you might have been frustrated by the inefficiencies that created in your responsibilities. And I'll tell you, when you're the senior leader, sometimes you don't control that. You know, if, if, the director of NASA calls me, I'm going to take the call and people might wait for me. But apart from that, I am always very conscious that people are waiting for me. I'm enabling them to act. If I could show up to a meeting on time, by gosh, I'm going to do it because there might be a hundred people waiting for me and there might be a hundred people behind each of those. So I'm always very mindful 
that it is the team that gets this work done. And I also think it's very important to be a respectful leader. People come to work, and if you've done your job well, they are inspired to serve these big missions and do this important work, and their heart and their soul are in it, and they deserve respect, and you should treat them that way. In terms of, you know, advice I would give to aspiring leaders or leaders early in their career, I I would start by saying your most important tool is your ability to listen. You always want to make informed and data-driven decisions, and you don't get that data without soliciting it from your team. Listen to what they have to say. Let that debate happen, especially in a technical environment, especially one like space that is so unforgiving, where the consequences of an error are so large. Mission failure is something that is always looming over our heads. So you want everybody to bring their best. You want to create a safe environment for everyone to speak up and have that conversation. And then at the end of that, expect that a decision can be arrived at or made. And then at that point, everybody grabs an oar and we row the boat in the same direction. I love how you said that. I think, you know, to summarize in my own words, as a leader, you have to put the mission first. But you can best do that by really serving and helping to develop the people under you. Um, the such, such good advice there. You kind of already touched on my next question, but I guess I'll ask if you have anything that you want to say to expound on that a little bit, which is, do you think there are any ways that being a leader in the space industry, a very challenging industry, is unique? I do, and I, I, will, I can expand on a little bit more. You know, there are all sorts of work out there, and all work has dignity, and it's all important. But when we're in this industry, we're painfully aware that it's a relatively small community, and every mission we serve is greater than ourselves, and we do it with these incredible machines. And I'll I'll be specific to the rocket piece of that for a moment. A rocket is just an incredibly powerful and unforgiving machine. If you think about a mission like Mars Perseverance that we just launched, it was sitting on top of a 25-story high rocket that was filled with over a million pounds of explosive propellant. And there's very little redundancy on a rocket. And everything has to go right, and pretty much nothing can go wrong. And when you have something go wrong, more often than not, it's not a matter of, oh, it fell short or, or, you know, gosh, you know, the, I, you know that, that hard drive crashed. I guess I'll have the manufacturer send me another one, or I got a flat tire, I'll call AAA. No, the consequences in a space launch are generally total mission failure, and there's very little in between. And, and so this is what we call in, in the aerospace industry high-consequence missions. And every single one is like that. You're either having a success, or you're on the front page of the newspaper with a spectacular explosion. So it it does change how you approach it. It, It's part of what drives the culture that I talked about earlier, where we have people in an environment where they are safe to speak up and they are confident, where there are no dumb questions, where the most junior person in the middle of an operation stacking a rocket 
has the power to stop the entire operation if they don't understand what's happening or they're worried about something. And there is no repercussions for that. No one is criticized. No one's in danger for raising their hand. It's a completely different kind of work environment and culture. And it is all driven by the unforgiving nature of going to space, which is literally a physics-defying act. I guess, I guess to build upon that a little bit more, you know, in the space community, we often quote the famous speech that President Kennedy gave. We chose, we choose to go to the moon, not because it's easy, but because it's hard. Could you talk about this a little bit, a little bit more in the context of leadership and how leaders often have to make hard decisions and motivate the people under them to undertake difficult tasks? What do you personally think the value is in pursuing hard things and in expecting them and the people that work with you? Well, what a great question. And of course, a quote like that, a speech that I, you know, I have sort of burned in my brain, anyone who's ever seen a recording of that, uh, those who are old enough to have seen it live, no one ever forgets it. And you cannot articulate it better than that was articulated. And so what does it mean for us as leaders and being aware that, you know, we're off to do the hard things. Well, the first thing I think I learned very early in my career was that people who are truly inspired and motivated and feel that they are serving something that is very, very important and greater than themselves can do almost anything. It is astounding what a team of people that are truly inspired can accomplish. And so a big part of your job as the leader in that kind of environment is to provide that inspiration, that clarity of purpose, and to keep them mindful of the gravity of what they're doing. Because honestly, when you build rockets every day or you build spacecraft every day, you know, Wednesday is another day in the office. And it's easy to forget how profoundly important and amazing the work is that we do. And the leader the person who can remind them and keep them aware of that. And so if you do that, they can get anything done. They can accomplish anything. And I'll tell you a little secret for us in the space industry, because we like to talk about how hard it is and how challenging it is. But for this part of a leader's job in our world, it's actually kind of easy. I mean, when you get to build these giant, incredible rockets and these complex spacecraft they're going to go to another world and collect science that is fundamentally groundbreaking, places that no human has ever tread. If you can't inspire people about that, you probably shouldn't be a leader. I mean, it doesn't get any better. This is absolutely the best material to work with. And so, yeah, it's, it's, that part of it's not as hard as you might think. <laughs> That's a really great point. <laughs> A really great point. So, uh, sorry, we've been asking you what are the things that you would say to to aspiring leaders, and and as I said earlier, uh, people should follow you on Twitter, and I follow you myself for inspiration. You you are like a professor on Twitter, um, but I wanted to ask you, who mentored you throughout your career and and throughout your life? What a great question. Well, you know, another special thing about our industry is that almost all of the experts that I've ever encountered were so generous with their time and their knowledge 
and we're aware of their place in this great chain of human endeavor where, where every generation is building on the accomplishments of the men and women that came before us and felt a responsibility to pass that on. So from the moment I began working in our industry, there were senior people around me who were helping me, who were guiding me, who were never too busy to answer a question. And when I started, you know, it was, it was a couple of years ago. <laughs> and so there were some really cool people. I, you know, the first job I was in, there was a fellow named Dieter who'd been at Peter Munda with Werner von Braun at the earliest days of rocketry. Imagine this guy had some stories. There was a couple of other rocket scientists who had fought in World War II and used their GI Bill to get, you know, degrees in science and engineering and had been there tinkering rockets together in the early days and had just a tremendous amount of experience. And so these guys mentored me every step of the way. One of the early programs I worked on was for the United States Navy and even our customer who had civil servants and military personnel who'd stayed with that a very, very long time, took an active interest in my career and my development. And, you know, today when we give people career advice, you know, we always advise them to have a plan and have a goal. I'll confess to you, I never had a plan. I never had a goal. And I was just so fortunate that these senior people were kind of looking out for me and guiding my career along without me even realizing it until many, many years later when I look back upon it. But yes, it was, it was absolutely wonderful, and almost every person I knew was in some way a mentor, even my peers who might be an expert in one field or have experience in one thing that I didn't. And when I moved into that area, even they knew this was a team and that we were all responsible in contributing to the success of our program and helped each of each other get you know get to that goal well thank you for the answer and especially the part where you say that people might think that you have to have like this linear path and and you know go from point a to point b where you could have you know like point a point one and then go back and, and, and go and, you know, reach a goal um, anyway, without having that necessarily that linear path. Um, so could you expand on that and tell us uh, some specific advice that you have for younger people entering the space field? Well, certainly the, the one piece of advice I always like to give people early in their careers is to not be afraid of the really tough problems. And if you're, you're in a team, or you're in a company, or you're in a group, doesn't matter, wherever you are, if you see that there is a really tough problem being worked by the organization, and maybe it's one of those really nasty hairballs, as we call it, and other people are kind of trying to get away from it, you know, they're fleeing that problem, and you look at it and you realize that you can help. If you think you can help, you should run towards that problem. Don't be afraid to volunteer for the very difficult problems that your organization or team is facing. And the reason you want to do that is firstly because that's where you can make a big difference. A big problem like that is probably stopped a program or stopped a project, and if you can help that get over the finish line, 
you've done a lot. The second thing is it compresses your learning. When you work on a big thing like that, it's going to go fast. There'll be fast paced. There'll be challenges coming at you left and right. So it's tremendous development for you. And then I'll share another little secret, which is in our world, we do something called managing by exception, which means in more plain English, we put all our energy into the stuff that's not going well. <laughs> all eyes are on that hairball. <laughs> and if you're in there helping to fix it, everybody sees you doing that. So not only are you learning, not only are you making a difference, but you'll be noticed doing it. And that helps your career too. For ULA is known for a very long launch history with a 100% mission success rate. Do you have any thoughts on what you think ULA's legacy will be in the space industry? And on a more personal note, could you touch on what you'd like your own legacy to be? Oh, what a great question. Well, I think that ULA's legacy will be what it has been and more. So when I look back from years into the future, you know, the reputation we have for being the backbone of America's access to space and putting all these initial systems up, we put up GPS, we did all the missions to Mars, we enabled the discovery of water on the moon. That'll still be there and we'll be remembered for that and for the reliability and all the things that we have brought to this, but we're gonna do more, we're not done yet. And so we will also be looked back as a company that transformed in the middle of this commercial revolution in space and continued to be an industry leader in that and went on to create an in-space transportation network. And so today we usually think of this kind of endeavor as getting to space. Well, there's going to be getting to space, but there's also going to be now traveling through space, activities that start and end in space. You're going to see this in your lifetime, and ULA is going to be a big part of creating a transportation network that enables that. So that's ULA's, hopefully, future legacy. In terms of what I would like to be remembered for, it's related to that. I'd like to be remembered for the eventual cislunar economy that you're going to see grow up as a result of that transportation network where we are capping the almost limitless, unimaginable resources of just the space between here and the moon and the easily accessible asteroids or near-Earth objects from the moon to fundamentally change the, the basic state of human dignity on our planet by moving us towards a post-scarcity human future. I am very passionate about that and I am doing everything I can to encourage that future to happen. It will happen. You will see it happen. And I would like to be remembering in some small way for my contribution to that. Oh, thanks for sharing that. I think, yeah, you said that very well, that ULA has such a rich legacy, but is also helping play such a big part in the future. I think that's all the questions that we have for you today, but we really appreciate your insight and your wisdom and just for taking the time to be with us today. It was absolutely my pleasure. What wonderful questions. And, you know, thank you for, uh, for having me on the show. We look forward to ULA's uh, near future missions with uh, your new rocket, Vulcan. We are very excited about it. 
And um, we want to thank you again for joining us and for your valuable insight into leadership. And to our audience, thank you for joining us on the Deep Space Podcast. And stay tuned for episode two of our Leadership in Space series.